Hi and welcome to Allies of Convenience, the international competitive Warhammer 40,000 podcast and I'm your host Logan. We are kicking off a double header this weekend of tournament recaps uh, and we are going to be starting off with Caledonian Uprising which happened on the weekend of the 20th and 21st of January uh, over there at Element Games. Robbo is going to be guiding you through days one and two, uh, joined by some of the members of the podcast, talking about their experience at the tournament, how they got on, and at the end, uh, a review of the general meta, some of the factions and army builds that they saw over the weekend and what to be expected uh, going forwards as well. So hopefully you enjoy that. Don't forget, though, of course, you can get in touch with us uh, and follow us at uh, AOC Podcast on Facebook, or you can just search for Allies of Convenience. Uh, and we're also on Twitter as well. Uh, just do at Allies Podcast uh, if you're on that. Of course, if you're subscribed to us on iTunes, then we would always appreciate uh, a positive review or a five-star review. If you can do that, that would be wonderful. It helps us reach many more people when they search for 40K on the podcast app on Apple. Thanks to everyone who's been subscribing as well. We really appreciate it. Obviously, the consistent releases are back and the numbers are creeping up. So thank you, guys. Uh, and if you're sharing the podcast, thank you as well. Without any further ado, let's get into this episode, as I said, the first of a double header of tournament coverage uh, as we kick off with Caledonian Uprising. Here we go. Hi guys, Matt here, back for another episode of Allies of Convenience. This week we're going to be covering the aftermath of Caledonian Uprising. Hopefully everyone's listened to the pre-birth beforehand probably not the right word to use uh this week i'm joined by simon no, preview preview <laughs> hello and we have james ramsey hello doing his impression of simon we should have been joined by adam <laughs> ryland but his list he took is illegal and he did a bit shit so we decided we'll just laugh for about 10 minutes at him Aha. It's nice knowing you, Adam. Tee hee. Tee hee hee. So, he's now officially quit the game because he can't <coughs> use his big toys. He's, redis- he's rediscovered his passion for Age of Sigma, is the the, uh, the PR line. Yeah, so for anyone who <laughs> doesn't yeah, know, head on the head there. Adam took a calm lot of skulls, Magnus and Mortaria, and was deep striking them in every game. And then, I think it was the day after the event. We go, nope, you can't do that, put your toys away. So he's still having a sulk. Even though we knew beforehand. At least he got to try it. And I think he finished he his 15th in the end overall. So he could have done better. It wasn't as yeah. crazy as people worried it could be. But yeah, it is what it is. That was that. That is no more. On to the real thing. Yeah. So, uh, we'll go through game by game, do put it out quickly how we did, we won't go into too much detail for the three of us, and we'll recap armies obviously, and then we'll have a look at some of the guys we picked out as being interested in our last show, and we'll go over them and see how they did, and if there was any surprises near the top. So, Simon, do you want to quickly go through your list and your day one? Uh, yeah, sure. So I had Tyranids, um, and I've been messing around with a bunch of different stuff for a while, but I ended up just trying to reserve as much stuff as possible. So I took seven Flying Hive Tyrants, 
um, five with monstrous rending claws and two devourers, and the other two with four devourers each. Um, and then I have four Morlocks, um, three units of three Ripper Swarms, and eight single Mutalids. So that way I could deploy 11 units and then reserve 11 monsters. Um, do you want to do my day one as well now, sorry? Yeah, just go for your day one. Okay, yeah, cool. So, um, round one, I was playing uh, James Tierney, who I know from London. It wasn't a grudge, it was one of Tim's famous random draws um, where people end up playing each other. Um, and so he had Eldar, he had like a couple of serpents, a load of reapers, Yvrain, striding spears, guardians, the, the kind of what you expect to see. And he sort of castled up. Um, and then I deep struck all my monsters in and just killed him up pretty good for four turns or five turns. Um, and he, he killed a couple of tyrants, but because it was um, the one where you score a point for every objective every turn as well and kill points, my army doesn't really give up that many kill points and his army gave up quite a lot. So it was uh, a pretty big win. I'm assuming um, he spent... So after that I got to play Nathan Roberts. Oh, he spent... I was just going to say, I'm assuming he spent most of the game castled up in the corner trying to fight his way out with that kind of army. Yeah, so he kind of... And he, he played it quite nicely as opening. He, he made a bit of a mistake with the spacing in one corner, but he, he used a lot of the single characters that might be sections of the book. So it's about as much as he can do because then it forces me to come in further back and then I spend a turn sort of killing less valuable units. So then he gets his turn to sort of shoot me and do a big turn and he, he doesn't, he didn't kill enough. Um, so then I was just all over him then with the monsters. Um, and then there's no way he can fight his way out of that, really, because he, he constantly goes back into the corner, but with the fixed objectives in the Caledonian pack, it means that he's uh, best on one, and then I've got control of like, the other five. Yeah. So then I can score really big on the Maelstrom as well. So that's right. So, um, so round... Yeah. Round two, then, I played uh, Nathan Roberts, who had a brigade of demons with loads of Zeech Flamers, who seem really good now in the new codex. I really like them. And then they get like 12 inch range now when they shoot so they can deep strike in with the warp, uh, dead end of the warp, is it? The stratagem. Yeah. Um, and then shoot you 12. But luckily for me, we played a recon and that's a really, really good mission for my army because they're all deep strikes anyway. So obviously on recon, you split your army into thirds. And then I, the bit I got had like three tyrants and a couple of spores and stuff. So, but everything is kind of like that. And then I rolled on my reserves, I got all the tyrants on, and I got three of the Morlocks on, and then I got a few more spores, so I was able to use the Morlocks to kind of get in his lines, so then he couldn't deep strike his flamers and hit me in his turn, so he could only shoot Morlocks with them, so then I can use the tyrants again to control the board and kind of keep him in one corner, and then I sort of went for the, the big score on turn three, and I shot a bunch of his stuff, and then he hit me back pretty hard. He, he hit me with, like, 24 flamers, or 22 flamers, doing D6 shots each, and he nearly killed a tyrant. So, so that was quite lucky for me. 22 D6 um, shots auto-hitting? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, auto-hitting. Some with plus one to wound. Uh, <laughs> and we roll ones to wound. And he did, he did, I think he did 11 damage to one tyrant, and then he did three or four to another one. 
Um, so that, and then we had some of the exalted as well. But I mean, I, I got a bit lucky again because it's the thing with the four person vulnerable is it is really swingy. Like if it's just as likely obviously to pass or fail. And then if you have a few and once and you sort of pass, it's suddenly quite hard for them to to get back to where they need to be yeah. in terms of damage. You're not swinging. So far after that, then I was able to kind of clip. Yeah, exactly. And then after that, because I because he was only in one corner then, and I still had the rest of the board, I was able to push a lot into his corner of the board and then again get in the twenty, which was really good. I didn't table Nathan though, and that was like, the only one I think. Well, spoilers. Sorry, I didn't table. Nathan. He had some stuff left. How did you find um, the new demon stuff? Then? And maybe were you impressed by the new demon? Um, uh, yeah, I quite liked them actually. I think the each spell I thought was pretty good. The plus one to wound that was the because of the Chronos, I can stop him doing some spells. So that was the one he made sure he could cast every turn. Um, the exalted flamer chariots. Nathan was saying, but by the time you pay for two screamers and the exalted flamer. The chariot is basically free or costs almost nothing, and it makes him like much faster. And obviously, the chariot still gets all those new screamer attacks. And then I love those flamers, like like two wounds, four of invern, like flamethrowers, just like jump because they move twelve, they can run and shoot twelve. So they're actually quite a nice range as well. I was thinking about them after the game. I thought like if it wasn't if it wasn't for recon, I'd have really struggled to dig Nathan's army out. Because it can be quite durable with the changeling for the Fiona Pain as well. That's interesting feedback. Um, yeah. I mean, I still I still have slightly longer threat range than his flamers with the tyrants, but he can set up so many screens and stuff that I've got to spend so long killing through just the little rows of his army before I can get to the good stuff, and then he tries to score on his points in the meantime. Um... Yeah, and then, so that was table two, and then I was on table two again for game three, where I played Liam O'Shea from the Scottish setup. Um, and he had eight Tau commanders, six with three missiles and the extra rend, and two with four fusion guns. He might have had a drone controller in there on one as well, I think. Um, and then he had, because he had then about 60 drones or something, and then he had three stealth suits who were very brave but perhaps foolish. They kind of pushed towards my army and just got eaten. But obviously he puts his whole army in a ball in his deployment because we played the table quarters one. Uh, well, you have to go nine inches from the centre point, you know? Yeah, so you can be quite far forwards. Yeah, yeah. So so he still had to sit quite far back and then he used the stealth suits to kind of push me all over to one side. And then he was, I think he was hoping I would come in and not do, do enough damage. And he does because his commanders actually, and he has quite a few marker lights on his characters and stuff. So there's quite a lot of shooting left. And he was saying he's got that new stratagem from the Tau uh, chapter approved. So where he's got the little fireside marksman, are oh, they the ones with the drone controllers? Yeah, if he does like two marker light hits, he can turn those into. He can get like D3 extra basically. Like on any marker light hit, he can get D3 extra. Obviously once per phase. So it means you can get loads of buffs then to kill like one important tyrant or something. Is that just one command point? Um, so I so I came in and I, uh, yeah, I think so. It was pretty. Yeah, I think it was. He didn't. I don't think he ended up using it because he only really needed one marker like hit per tyrant. Um, but it seemed pretty good value. And then he had that neuro chip as well, the the pen chip, you know, pure tide engram neuro chip. Oh yeah. He had that to get his command points back as well, and that. Because obviously that's just like a couple of free command points, so that was really nice for him. Um, 
but it ended up I, I dropped in, I smited, I shot, I killed the fusion guys, I killed uh I think I started there on a couple of missile guys, and I killed a bucket of drones. You know, I don't I don't know what the, the collective name for them is, just a lot. Um, and then yeah. he went and he he shot up a tyrant with all his missile pods. And I think he downed one and then he started on the next one. But by that point, then I basically got to do almost my entire turn's worth of damage again. And then the Morlocks obviously burrow and get away onto the objectives. So they'll be forever mine because we're only playing in this one corner. And then I get to obviously shoot him again with all the tyrants. And I think I even drew the priority orders received warlord special objective that's worth loads of points. And it was the one that I deep struck the warlord onto. So he could even stand still and get the Chronos Rewards. It was absolutely horrible. Like, and then basically all the tyrants just flew into his corner and he had two commanders left, I think. And then in his turn, he charged me with them because Liam is nothing if not brave. Um, and then the rending claws just kind of cut them into nice bite-sized chunks for the Rippers. So that was 60 points from day one. Any of the games particularly worrying going into them? Or... Um, yeah, yeah, they were all kind of, because there's always the risk with the tyrants that you roll to not enough fours on the invents, you can start taking damage quite fast, like against Reapers. Like, it is pretty durable against Reapers, because they've got that feel no pain as well, and they have to get quite a lot of damage through. But if I, say, I have about five, I still have six saves, and I fail four instead of three, I could lose, like, a full tyrant then, just on that. And that's quite far away from where I want to be, really. Um... The demons, I'd not played them before, so I was a bit cagey in the opening. But I think if I played them again, I'd just be tempted to really rush him quite fast. Because I don't, I think he can't damage me back fast enough, I think. Because he's really saying afterwards, Nathan, he's, he's built it to kill loads of infantry. Because he had a huge unit of horrors that, with the plus one to wound and the real to wound buff from the warlord and stuff, he actually, and they get three shots each, I think, when they're a big unit. They're doing like an absolutely huge number of shots then like really really good anti-infantry fire but the problem is it doesn't stand up so well against what are basically like tank equivalent toughness yeah creatures okay um, so a good day and then day against day. the commanders like as, yeah really good day when against the commanders I thought if I got the fusion early I would be okay because they're the only ones who can really go for that d6 damage and potentially make things go badly if they get lucky but yeah, it went, went really well, yeah. Cool. So, Ramsey, are you still around? Yeah. Yeah, should we do your day one then? You had a bit of an interesting yeah. list, didn't you? Uh, yeah, so carrying on from... Um, I used a similar one at winter warm-up. Uh, I went for Blood Angels. Um because I wanted to try something different uh, so I was running mostly Inceptors I went to warm up I tried using some Death Company but I found them okay and I wanted to try without them to see if the list worked better and so I was running uh, Dante who's just over across the chapter master in the whole world uh, I was running Lieutenant Jump pack, ancient with relic 
Fiona Payne banner. Uh, Sanguinary Priest, some scouts, and then uh, 27 Inceptors. So five had plasma, the rest all bolters. And then to make them drop, just a company commander, the waver's magic flag of command points. And uh, some acolytes just at the back did nothing all game. So yeah. That's my list. Cool. So lots of shots, mostly deep striking in, similar-ish to the way Simon's army plays, I guess. Yeah, similar idea. Uh, so I found that uh, when to warm up with the Death Company, they weren't that resilient. They died really quickly, and they were decent in combat. But I found. Uh, Inceptors were quite durable because of the uh, pain banner, which the Death Company can't benefit from. And they obviously have Toughness 5, which is a big deal. A lot of, them, a lot of guns, uh, a lot of things, like Strength 4, so that really helps. And uh, because of their large bases, able to fit quite a few in cover just by like kind of tiptoeing cover. And kind of the idea is to try and drop the whole lot into cover, um, and then once you're all in cover, you get a good save with a pain, toughness five. Kind of just can tank most shooting, and then kind of try and clear the screen, and then jump forward and use the uh, all the injury rules. That the inceptors are a bit better in combat. Plus one to wound. So yeah, it, it worked okay. It went to warm up, so I want to try again because it's fun mostly. Oh, that's interesting to hear. So it plays uh, a lot of Blood Angel armies you see in are just all Death Company or Sanguinary Guard. Have really seen anybody running the mass inceptors like you did? So how did your games go? Yeah, uh, so game one uh, was one of those games where you know you all sometimes have them where the opponent maybe has got a bit of a fluffy list so he was running Primaris uh, Raven Guard Primaris um, which was quite good for me because he didn't have any screens he was mostly just like aggressors and hellblasters and things like that and because I don't have anything on the table at the start of the game apart from acolytes and scouts he didn't really have anything to uh, go for with his Raven Guard to make matters worse, I also stole him as well. Ah. So I kicked him when he was down. <laughs> oh, <Jake. laughs> so, yeah, You're a serial one of those, aren't you? I remember you being done really quickly, game. So I just dropped it. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the first turn was... I mean, the repulsor blew up in the hail of plasma execution fire, because I... It's quite, you probably shouldn't kill it with five, with five exterminators, but four of them overheated and then all four fired again. So they got effectively another 43 shot. <laughs> so you fired nine guys. So I just died. <laughs> yeah, and then, so when it exploded, it let some more guys out that I could then shoot with more bolters and the aggressors died, bolters and everything died, bolters. So after turn one, he just had a, just had a storm raven left with a with a dreadnought in it. Yeah. 
So he he flipped forward, did one wound to uh, one wound to the scepter, and then conceded. Dear <laughs> <laughs> God. <laughs> it was it was really it was I felt bad for that but he was really nice and he he knew from from as soon as he looked at my list he knew it was uh, not really going to be a great match for him. And um, so then game two I played played Thomas Higgin Higgin Bottom Higgin something Higgin Bottom yeah 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 Higgin Bottom Higgin Bottom yeah yeah so yeah so he was seven five as well with. Two more locks, five bibles, and they were all apart from two were shooty and five were combat, and they all had toxin sacks and adrenal glands, or combat ones, which is a bit of a worry because suddenly they're doing like four damage and they roll sixes. Just a bit of a that's a bit of a nasty thing uh, for me. And it was recon, so I'm similar to Simon. I'm quite good at recon because I can. I'm not quite as good because I've got buff characters so I'm going to try and get all of them together but uh, I can deep strike quite a lot and mostly I can just I don't have to go too aggressive I can just drop into middle of the table to cover shoot things so that's what I did um, he won the roll to make me go first which is quite bad for me because it meant I had to drop in and I rolled everything pretty much so I had to kind of go for it uh, and kind of just let him assault me and normally I'd have like scouts things to screen his assault but because of the uh, recon I can't deploy the scouts forward like I normally can so I, I otherwise I have to hide right back of the board and obviously with scouring you have to kind of go for it so he dropped in and I did loads of damage on overwatch and all specs fire and all that kind of stuff but he got Four or five flyers into combat on that first turn. Did a lot of damage, um, and I killed three flyers in return on my turn two. Wow! Uh, plasmas took one off, and all the bolters took one off, and I think combat took one off. It was three, and then two were damaged, and the Morlocks are tied up in combat with scouts. Another chaff to stop them running away because I knew they were going to be good in scouring because he had because he had second turn they're going to just wait until the last turn to come up and um, and yeah it was a bit of back and forth uh, obviously every time I killed a flyer in it went back in my favour but he was like chipping away at stuff and one flyer in exploded right in the middle of my army it's really bad because it killed well it did a load of damage load of stuff which led to my banner bearer going down. Which is really big because yeah, without feeling pain, the smites and things do a lot more damage, and the and the fireballs do a lot of damage as well. Because I can't really afford to deal with them easily because uh, they flyers kill me. So in the end, I have to I wings of fire some bolt guys over to stop get rid of these fireballs, and it means he has to go deal with them. Which is good for me. Uh, it comes down to basically we've got about five or six models each left and I feel like I've got the slight advantage um, going into that last turn uh, and his fireballs make a nice little cheeky charge to contest an objective I uh, don't kill them and he he gets I think one or two extra, extra objectives over me so it ends up being uh, I think a 14 to him 14-6 to him 
So because uh, this director's kind of swung it away from the draw. Were you expecting that going into it, or were you expecting you could get a win out of that? Uh, I think if it had been anything but scouring and recon, I would have been quite confident. But the spread out six objectives is difficult against that army. It's got a lot of options to go all over the place. Um, and uh, I, I I can't spread out that easily on recon because my scouts and acolytes are all come in at the back of the board, like on my board edge. Yeah. So it's hard to get them up across the table quickly. Um. But yeah, I was quite happy with the list. I thought it did all right. I think it just uh, to get not beat to take the first turn really hurt. I mean, he didn't roll very well with his shooting, but his combat was really good. He did a lot of damage. He rolled all those sixes, like the rending claws, or lots of sixes, and with the poison they do four damage. So it was just even with no pain, it was just killing insect every time he rolled a six. Um, it's really bad. So. Yeah. And then game three, I played Neil Powell with his Pox Walkers and Mortarian. Uh, which is that? Is that the list he stole from Matt? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, that, we got so wound up over the weekend. <laughs> well, it seems yeah. fair, right? <laughs> so it's like, oh no, relic. The relic against Pox Walkers. It's like, oh great, the one thing you don't want to play against, the relic. But luckily they're not obsec, his one, so I was like, oh, that's good. So I put some scouts on the relic to start off with, just to kind of delay my turn. Um, and I made the mistake at the start of the game, because I put my scouts in objective, thinking, right, I'm going to stop him. I blocked everywhere for the Alpha Legion drop to go. So all he could really do is just kind of... And, and he had a massive line of sight block in his terrain, in his uh, board edge, in his corner and he could pretty much hide all his pox walk behind it and all the so he just had some chaff out to stop my deep strike stuff and I made the mistake of, of rolling to seize initiative just on a whim and I, I shouldn't have done because I did steal and I was immediately and he was like oh no you've stolen that's really bad and I was actually thinking oh I shouldn't have actually rolled because when I dropped in I could kill the alpha legion I killed about another 20 guys or so but my whole plan was to let him come forward to me and then me to kind of drop in and shoot off a lot more chaff than I could, than I, could I should have killed I could easily kill about 100 guys whereas I've only killed about 30 or 40 on my turn 1 um, and also it means that Mortarion gets the drop on my army because he can warp time forward and uh, it's a difficult one because I've got to stick together that's how the banner works it's on models within 6 not units so you've got to, you've got to be reasonably packed in but then, of course, Mortarion, his all, his all, his stuff all does lots of damage to people all around, like with his lantern and his aura. So he did a lot of damage back, and he killed four or five guys in combat as well. So maybe he killed about ten guys. And I, I still had the relic though, so I thought, right, kill Mortarion this turn. He doesn't really have anything else that can hurt me for the rest of the game, so I'll just retreat with the relic. Uh, I've still got four out of six maelstroms. I'll just get a few points and I'll just kind of sneak sneak away. Um, and I, I don't kill Mortarion in that turn, which is really bad. Uh, luckily for me, um, Neil 
he only had a couple of wounds left, and Neil decided not to throw him into, just to use his lantern and aura on me rather than charging. But I still think he could have taken an Overwatch with more timing. Uh, even left him on one wound, because if he explodes, it's probably a good thing for him to explode right in the middle of my army again uh, if he dies. So it gave me, got, kind of got me off the hook a little bit, so I killed him. And I did my, and then in the end he, he tied and traded some, um, acolytes behind me. And, uh, we, we had a bit of discussion because we were running low on time about how I could kind of protect the relic from all these waves of zombies. I was just sacrificing all my inceptors and things for it. Uh, but you could tie a traitor behind Dante, you had the objective. And shoot him. And he only had, I think, one or two wounds left. But I had a roll, command roll, and I had feel no pain. And I think I had eight saves to make, and he died, unfortunately. So he dropped the relic, but I still had a guy within range of it, but I just lost some points for that. And he got some good maelstroms on the last couple of turns, so it kind of gave him a few more points. So I think he won 12-8 in the end. Again, it probably would have been a similar result to me if it kind of uh, had helped on that relic. And, so, uh, maybe I could have done a bit better if I hadn't gone first. That's a pretty good result for your army, then, do you think? In that matchup, anyway? Yeah, I think it. I think on Spearhead it's difficult because you can screen really easily. Just one unit can screen his whole army, whereas other setups it's a bit more difficult. Yeah, I kind of had a similar thing in my game three, which I'll get to in a sec. But uh, so I took similar list of Neils, just better version, I think, because uh, I, I don't like Martyrin in the build, but he enjoys it and he gets a nice distraction and it is a fun guy to use, so you can see why he'd take it. But I just went for lots of bodies and some obliterators. So I had 154 cultists, 37 poxwalkers, 6 oblits, 10 brimstones, 3 guard mortars, and they were literally just there because made a heavy detachment. And then Araman, Typhus, Bile, Taliman, and Abaddon. I knew there was someone I'm forgetting. I shouldn't forget that guy. So basically, you shoot guys, I make more guys. You shoot guys, I get more guys. And then by turn four or five, I've got 150 guys. And I'm just eating shit up. Uh, that was the plan anyway. Uh, almost worked out. So game one, I was playing Mike Folks, and he had five Plagueburst Crawlers, 30 Plague Bearers, nine Nurglings, uh, and a lot of characters to support them. And going into this game, I was confident, because I knew he'd struggle to kill the amount of bodies I had. However, I knew I wasn't going to get a massive win, because I don't have the damage output in my list to deal with the toughness of his list. Because those five playbearer scores are really tough. And all the playbearers and everything. And what I did is he deployed the playbearers as a screen around the back of his army. Because it was hammer and anvil and the sides. Just to stop me getting any cultists or anything on his back objectives. And he killed my Alpha Legion who pushed forward. Killed majority of them turn one. And then I powered up with all the stratagems. Rushed everything forward. Kind of got on the objectives. And I just sat on the four objectives killed all his nurglings and I think 
that was about it. I did a few wounds here or there. We kind of just sat on the objectives and went, I'll hold these, I'll score four points a turn to his two points a turn, play for Maelstrom, try and kill what I can. So he got up on kill points because his play bursts, they were in tree range so they could always retreat and charge. He did mess up turn one, I think it was, and leave them a little bit too far forward, which let me charge some Nurglings and then just tag three of the play bursts. So two had to retreat and couldn't fire. One was just within tree range so could fire. Well, that cost him a turn. But they killed off all my little bits and pieces. And I think I got up on Maelstrom. He was up on kill points, but I obviously had the objective for longer throughout the game. So that ended up a 14-6 to me, which is kind of what I expected going into it. And talking to Mike afterwards, he expected the same, because I can get the board control. He's got great damage. He killed, like, all my cultists, but he just didn't have the outputs kill that many cultists quick enough to have time to deal with that many pox as well. Uh, then game two, I played Tom Layton, who we'd played at the one day event a couple of weeks before that. So he knew what my army did, he knew all the tricks, and this was on recon. And I got lucky as I started with a unit of pox on the board. So I split that, so two of my thirds had the pox walkers in, a third didn't. Just hoping I didn't roll that. And I think in this one, I w if I hadn't have gone first, I get smashed. Because Tom said he's walking every unit on. And he had about 20 Dark Reapers and 30 Warp Spiders. And they would have just destroyed me. If I had come on piecemeal, I wouldn't have been able to get my stratagems up. And he'd just take me off. I think it'd take him a few turns, but I'd never get out from my deployment zone to really push at him. But because I ended up going first, I got my buffs up, I, I managed to power up, get the majority of my units on. And it was quite funny because I didn't get my two cultist units, but I'd already ran Araman across to one board edge, planning to warp time my unit back in. I was like, ah, shit, um, he's just sat on in the open on his own, so I had to warp time himself back behind something so he didn't just get shot. That was a bit of a uh-oh moment. And I just controlled the board, got something like 30 inch move and trick, move spawn, charge off one turn, just to pin him in on, I think it was turn 4 or turn 5, just to get all, so I was on all the objectives, I pinned him back in a corner, and there wasn't too much he could do about that, so I ended up with a 20 nil win to me. And then game 3, I played the turner player who Ramsey played game 2 which was the seven hive tyrants, three mo two Morlocks, and he got first turn, but because it was the corner-to-corner -corner deployment, my Alpha Legion strung out and went nine inches in front of my front cultists, and then nine away from him. So I made a wall where he could deep strike down, but all he could shoot was that one cultist unit, because the the back of my base was nine away from the front of the base and then plus the inch for the base and he had to be nine away there was just nowhere he could get so he destroyed that unit with I think two high tyrants to spare but after that I managed to get all the buffs up and push out pick up the relic because I'd kind of put alpha joint to start to keep him back off it and then kind of moved something up on dragged it back into the middle of my army and reached out to get three objectives and then there's quite a big turn where 
it was he was doing a lot of damage to me and I wasn't really getting into him because he could just sit 18 away and pick me off and I was on three of the objectives he was on three of the objectives I was trying to push for the fourth but he kept shooting me back and he got a priority orders received on his warlord with an objective uh, but it was a defend objective so he moved on to it sat on it for his turn but failed catalyst that turn and I just got three blitz into range and rolled well on the stats and just took it off and in the same turn I think I killed a Morlock in combat and my unit of blitz I can't remember if they fired twice or not but they shot and killed the other Morlock so I had one turn where I think some rippers died I got the fourth objective and then three of his big things died I think that was turn three possibly turn four so that was quite big because it kind of gave me the upper hand at that point because they had one tyrant in combat with Poxwalkers who were sat on two of the objectives so he was slowly going to start doing some wounds but not quick enough to get through the whole unit because there's probably a hundred plus bodies there and I still had a screen up in front of the other two so over the last couple of turns I kind of got a couple of nice mails from cards I got priority orders of I think it was getting my warlord to defend an objective luckily it was the one near to him so I could do that which gave me four point mails from card I think it was at the end but that it was 23 points to four it's, it's in the end three extra for the priority orders yeah yeah it might have been a defended Why? one so it was literally yeah it was just a 20 nil game so it's it been quite cagey all the way through but I kind of just solidly ground forwards onto the objectives and just uh, got it that way but I think if he'd had a couple more Maelstrom cards go his way potentially it could have been a lot closer it just kind of got to him mid to end game it just kind of overpowered his list a little bit so that was so that's something I was going to ask you as well because where you talk about if he'd had better Maelstrom because it sounds like a couple of times like um like Mike's army as well if he just sat on his own objectives and used his command points to cycle his maelstrom do you think he could have got more points from you um, well he, what he ended up doing was pushing forwards the crawlers but because they couldn't quite get onto the objective straight away and I, I have 100, 200 upset bodies I pushed and ran every turn one onto the objectives just to make sure he couldn't block me off from them. What I would yeah. have attempted by. So, I mean. I, yeah. If he'd put the plague bearers forward. I mean, for where he's only sat on two objectives. Yeah. Well, okay. with, with that, I was thinking, I, if with that, he might have put the plague bearers on the front and pushed them forwards aggressively to block off those objectives and make me fight through for a couple of turns, which that could have uh, got him some extra points, possibly. But that was the mission where you only okay. have one turn to do your maelstrom cards. So you quick, yeah. you, you quick draw every turn. And he did save one one turn, I think. But they weren't amazing. Cause it, but it wasn't like I was running away on maelstrom. I just had a few extra and then a couple of extra from the VPs. So it was tight. Yeah. But it kind of just edged my way because of 
having the four objectives with OBSEC. And then the same in the last game. I think we both had three objectives for a lot of it. But then the last three turns, I kind of just crept onto the fourth to get a few extra. And then because that one was... Uh, which one was that? Was that contact lost? I think it might have been. So I just got an extra edge the last few turns which pushed me up. Whereas it could have feasibly been 15-5, 14-6 if one of us had got yeah. some luck and the other had got none. I'm, I'm just thinking if I was playing against you I'd probably save all eight of my command points and every turn use the draw another maelstrom card stratagem. Like, you know, where you discard one. If I, if ever I drew one and I couldn't do that turn, I would just spend two command points and discard it and get a brand new one because I, I can't really engage you uh, conventionally. So that's a way I can kind of score points for free, if that makes sense. It's quite interesting because I did play Flyer again, game five. Well, I'll come back onto that. And then that kind of went slightly differently. So it's quite interesting. to Yeah. So should we go to your day two first, side? Cool. Uh, yeah, sure. Um, so Tim videoed the day two draw on Saturday night, and because there were four of us on uh, 60 points, me, uh, the Dutch captain, uh, Michelle Jacobs, also had the Tyrants, and then Alex Harrison with his Eldar, and then uh, uh, Duncan, uh, Duncan Bray with his like Grey Knight deep strikey stuff. Um, and I ended up drawing Harrison, and then Michelle played Duncan. So Harrison, I played on the stream on the Caledonian event stream. Um, he set up, so it's the same table as I played at round one. Um, he set up in almost the same corner as James. Um, he set up screens in a very similar way to do. He put his, so he put his 10 Reapers in the webway, and then he had like, I think he had 12 deployed in his tanks, three more behind the tanks, trying his spears behind the tanks, and then literally these two tanks are right in the corner just far enough out so that if I put my Morlocks up against them, he can just about fit in his Webway units in behind. And then he's got some Fire Dragons in the tanks, he's got Psychers in the tanks. And out in front he's got about two units of five Hawks who just have the worst job in the universe. <laughs> like, there's always to stand really far away from everything else in the army and just get shot to death. <laughs> so so he let me go first as well, which I was I was surprised about. But he, we talked afterwards and he said, like, he thought that, like... I sort of understood his reasons a bit more afterwards. Um, so I brought three Morlocks up right on top of his castle. Um, I kept one back because if you ever if you have a, like a dicey game where you know it can go badly, often the, the extra Morlocks are really helpful because he can just then come up early, go back underground for basically the whole game and prevent you being tabled. So as long as you score well on the mission, that Morlock then prevents you from losing. Um, so anyway, yeah, I I dropped all my tyrants in around these poor ten swooping hawks and just shot them absolutely to death. Um, just, I was 108 shots. I had smites as well, so they all died. Um, and then I had my three morlocks right in his face. One of them was Kronos to turn off his power, which was quite big. Um, so he then gets out. He. So, so he starts buffing up his guys. He pushes his shining spears forward um, to try and sort of kill some tyrants in melee. I think he, he was maybe tired or he made a slight mistake. 
he forgot that um, the tyrants can all fall back and shoot because they've got fly. So he like he was in combat with three of them, and he was like, oh, well, at least they can't shoot next turn. It's like, oh, no, no they can all fly. You said a small um, mistake? That's quite a big mistake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if it was... Because I think, as well, he thought he would maybe do more damage than he did when he moved them. Because, obviously, he pushes them forward. He uses the stratagem to go 22 inches out of his deployment zone. But then he fails in power. So he's only on fives to wound in combat. And then he has no doom on my flyments because I'm far enough away from his fast here. And if he's going to doom one, that's the one I'll stop with Kronos. And with my Deny the Witch then as well. Because, obviously, it's 24 for both. Um, so then he ends up... his shooting. I think he does maybe one damage. And then his combat, he rolls loads of fours. But then he needs fives to wound, so he does it, and like one or two saves, I think. Um, and I pass those. Or oh, and I've got feel no pain on them as well, because the warlord's not catalyst. And then um, the other thing with the tyrants, because they're all characters, you can heroically intervene with every single one. So he charged two shooty ones and left himself a bit too close to the relic claws. Um, and I turned off fortune with the Kronos. That was the one I really wanted to stop, because where the spears have got two wounds. My Morlocks were sufficiently close to his army that soul burst off no matter what. He could just set it up so as soon as he killed the Morlock, he would be able to soul burst anyway, so it doesn't actually stop that much. But So I knew if I turned off Fortune, I could clear them really easily. And then when he made this charge, the Relic Claws guy heroically intervened and couldn't be attacked because Harrison declared on him. So he then killed two Shining Spears, consolidated, and then I used Adrenaline Surge to attack again and kill two more. So suddenly, like, out of nowhere, he's lost half his unit and done, like, no damage. And then next turn, the mucolids sort of float into them and blow them up. The rest of his army, he kills one tyrant and then he does a couple of wounds somewhere else, which is about average for the amount of reaper shooting he has. He kills two Morlocks as well with the fire dragons. They just absolutely blow them up. Like, I've got no save, and it's threes, we run and one for his unit to wound, and he's got his autark, we roll ones to hit. So that was fine. I just kept him occupied for a bit and got them out of the tank. So then next turn, all my Florence fly over. One stays behind to deal with the Shining Spears. Um, and then I kind of shoot a bunch of his Reapers and some die. And then he has another turn. Then he kind of kills like one more Tyrant. Um, but that's the end of the charge phase, so I can't then go and fight him. So I had to fly after them and shoot them down. It was, it was you know, high fleet problems. You know, it was okay. I just flew after them and then charged them and they just cut them up. Um, and then he has this little castle in the corner. I just stick. And I was sticking four flight. I, st- I think it was my turn three and he had about ten Reapers left and maybe one character because your brain and all his Tykers have started dying to soul hunger because when you've got the Chrono stratagem that basically makes you automatically fail a power, that causes D3 mortals and all his other miners want to cast. If he ever fails another power, it's D3 mortals again. So his psychers are all dying. He's got reapers who can never do anything. He's got like one serpent left, and he's just on charging everything. He sort of concedes in the turn three, cause, which is I think it was quite often you kind of want to see if you can get to the end. But I understand because none of his army is ever going to shoot again or ever cast a psychic power again or ever do any damage. Sure. So it's, the game is finished at that point. Yeah. So game over. Turn. So three, yeah, twenty nil. No. Yeah, 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 yeah. So just yeah, turn three. I mean, the list is kind of designed to play. I like I tweaked it heavily to play Eldar. I ended up playing them like a couple of like a couple of times. So I was really happy about that. Um, speaking of which, so then last round, I was playing on the stream again against Max Barton. Um, 
and so he like like the previous two elder players he picked his hill he picked the same corner as Harrison which is really funny like he was setting up his army it was, it was like it was like deja vu I, I'd seen it before he's setting up the two serpents and then he's setting up the kind of stuff in the corner but then he's got loads of hawks and cabalites and Max goes first and he really aggressively screens with the hawks and the cabalites um, but he makes like a really it seemed like a really innocuous mistake but it turned out to be really really serious so he has some cabalites who are kind of near a pillar by his army, and there's only one covering the top of that pillar for being nine inches away, and the other side is hawks, so about 11 inches away. So I put the Morlock by those Cabalites and kill like uh, kill a couple, and he takes that one off. And so then after that, I put that I put a fly run down on top with 24 shots in range of his Yanari Reaper unit um, that he's got out on the board ready to intercept me, and I gamble on the intercept not killing me and he doesn't I think he does a flat 6 damage which doesn't deteriorate my shooting profile at all, that was really handy um, so then I killed the, the rest of it, obviously I drop in, kill all his hawks, it's the same, exact same situation um, the rest of it he gets all his reapers out he then starts shooting my, so I turn off his soul burst power with my chrono stratagem from the Morlock and my deny the witch from that time he's managed to get right in front of his army because he's casting it on um, a six, and he doesn't get plus or minus one, because it's plus one, but then minus one for the tyrant. So I think he was on a six to cast it, and then I have a two d six deny, and then I have a command point on the deny result as well. So I just I've managed to turn off Solvus, um, and then he starts. And this is the other thing that so he didn't he didn't know I could do this, but tyrants have this thing called a uh, death frenzy. It's a stratagem. When a tyranny character dies for two command points, they can fire. So he starts shooting all his little Reaper units into this damaged tyrant to kill him. And then about halfway through that, he kills my guy, finally. So I burn two command points and shoot 24 more shots into his Reapers. And I kill five. So that one that one tyrant that deep strike in the middle of his army just absolutely ruined this whole game plan. Um, because then... He hasn't done nearly enough damage because he's kind of banking on them to have shot twice and really they haven't shot at all. So he lost like 20 Reapers worth of shooting nearly to that. Um, and then obviously I fly over and he's in the corner. Max made it really like, uh, he really sort of was cagey and playing and constantly moving back and pushing out with serpents and charging me. Really like, we played really well the end game just to always have a model left. There's this hawk in the corner where I could barely shoot. And then a Morlock burrowed up next to him and did three mortal wounds, and then that was the end of the game. So, <laughs> so that was another 20 nil then, yeah, um, in the last round. Um, what turn did he get to in the end then? Um, that was turn five, actually. I, he had the start of turn five. He had one Dark Reaper and one Swooping Hawk, and the Dark Reaper got eaten by a Fly Run, and the Hawk got eaten by a Morlock. It was like an Exarch and everything, and like he was in cover and. You know, like I had to advance and shoot at a light up, so the minus to hit everything. And then this one more lot goes, oh, hello, nom, dead. Would it have been a... <laughs> um, so that was... Would it have been a big win if you hadn't finished those guys off? Were you completely control the rest I of the game? No, no, because round five was also kill points, my army basically doesn't give any up because none of the mucolids came. So I've got 22 units, but then of those, eight immediately don't count, so I've got 14 and then of those three are tiny ripper swarms you're going to hide and the other 11 are monsters who you kill maybe one or two a turn 
Whereas he's got all these little hawks, all these little cavalites. He's got seven little units of reapers. So I'm getting loads of little kill points all over the game. So I think it was a trend anyway. But I mean, he did really well to kind of draw it out so well. Yeah. So that was a, uh, yeah. So, so that put me on 100 total points then. And probably not a spoiler alert, but that was a pretty good score, as we'll find out. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, that went, that went quite well. Is Ramsey, you still around? Mm-hmm. So how did your get day two go then, mate? <coughs> so I squeezed like swapped opponents and I ended up playing Tom Layton, who just played. Um, and we played what was the mission? It was the four, four objectives. The four objectives, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Ha- hammer and anvil with two in each to play. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's a difficult match for me because the terrain's not great. It's pretty open. It's got loads of reapers, warp spiders. The warp spiders aren't that easy for me to kill with all the minuses to hit. So I'm like, oh great, this is not going to be great. It's not going to be that good to me. So I kind of have two options. Do I just deep strike in the middle of everything and try and survive? And I just I work out of my head and I don't, I don't think I can it's too many shots um, maybe I survived turn 1 but I think turn 2, turn 3 I get worn away so I think well what I can do is with hammer and anvil and he'll be expecting me to drop in I'll put my scouts down quite aggressively and then I'll just hold off the board I won't stay out, I won't come on until turn 3 just basically try and hold my two objectives see if I get some maelstrom because it's tactical escalation so there's not many cards at the start of the game I think I'll just try and bank on a late game. And he might make a mistake with his screening as he pushes forward. And he might leave some gaps late on. So I don't do anything. So he gives me gives me turn one, which again is annoying. I would like to, uh, to have gone second. And I don't do anything. Turn one, turn two, turn three. He, he, I think he kills the scouts. Uh, that's it. Just kind of, I want to kind of pin them back so he didn't go too far forward just because I can push them forward on turn one and um, so yeah turn three I drop in I drop basically into the back corner which is kind of a bit boring but it's the only place with terrain I can put the whole army in uh, and I think from here I can defend my two from the sports spiders and uh, so he kills loads on his turn three he kills loads of stuff and um, and I kill with my banner, the company ancient guy, I can fly when I die. So I, he jumped all those warp spires right into my face, which then meant that my company ancient guy could shoot. I could shoot without many penalty, only minus one. I was able to kill quite a few warp spiders with the shooting. Uh, and then I had one big thing in the game. So it was turn four, and he left a gap for me to winds of fire over a unit of six inceptors into his backfield. And I had, so I had some options. Do I fire them all into the big Unai Reaper unit and basically wipe them out? Which is great. However, he's got Obset guys, or he's got three units of Dark Elder Warriors in his backfield, all holding the objectives. And he's pushed really far forward, so he'd have to run back with all this stuff to deal, to deal with these guys. And I, so I kind of thinking, well, I don't know which to go for, and I decide. I think, 
I could if I if I kill the Unai Reapers, and those Inceptors are going to spend the next turn. They're probably all going to die anyway, and then he'll just hold the objectives anyway. So I thought, well, I'll try and kill all the, all the warriors at the back and make them run, run backwards. Uh, so I kill two units with shooting and I charge another one with combat and finish them off in combat. And I managed to consolidate like behind a line of sight blocker so you can't even see them. So I was quite happy with that. And I killed all those warp spiders that were trying to get my objectives. Just had reapers left. Uh, but unfortunately it went to turn seven and the reapers just shot the freaking hell out of me and just killed everything in the end. And I think I, I, I think everything died by turn seven. I think even Dante died. Uh, so Tom got a 20. Oh, no, I think I had maybe I had one model left, so two models left. So Tom got a 20. Um, he also got some really good Maelstrom on the last couple of turns. I think if we'd gone to five, it might have been draw. I think we'd have held two two objectives each. But yeah, Tom went to 20 then. So I'm guessing And that... then last game... Sorry, Cam. I was just going to say, I'm guessing that put you somewhere decidedly mid-table for the last game. Yeah, so I ended up playing Dave. Dave, yeah. Um, and he had Dark Angel Army. Really nicely painted one. But again, it wasn't... It was, it was okay. It was a mixture of units. But Marines... He had some bubble wrap and things, but Marines don't really stand long. Don't stand up much to these uh, the Primaris guys. So I just dropped in and just shot him up and tried to... We, we had some fun. Like, I had Dante against Azrael and that kind of fun... Forge the narrative, as they say, mm. but the narrative was me taking his models off pretty quick. And, uh, yeah, so trying off for me in the last game. <laughs> it's a hell of a narrative. Yeah, <laughs> Dante absolutely cleaned us all apart. It was quite funny. Doesn't even roll uh, everything against characters. Yeah, it's like twos and twos, and then. I picked, uh, I got the D3 extra attacks and they're all extra, no, three attacks, I had nine attacks. And just spanked him. <laughs> Back to the rock with me. That's forging a narrative. <laughs> right, that's forging a narrative. Fluff based banter. Not like I took his model off. <laughs> <laughs> the exterminators killed about a thousand points in that game because they kept, they kept oh. dying. And then the sanguine priest kept bringing them back. So kept having like one guy, one wound, and then he would die, and then fire overcharge again, and just <laughs> So you get one guy firing six times, and when you fight like, yeah, it was like oh, I got quite. I can see why they turned to the death company. You know, yeah. like you'd want it to be over with you, wouldn't you? <laughs> Just he's finally reached a blessed oblivion where he's not burning his hands off with plasma, and suddenly it's like clear, <laughs> back to life. Fire your plasma guns again, buddy. But I know what's going to happen. <laughs> Just fire them. <laughs> fire, fire that way. But make sure you're standing by the flag when you do fire. it. Yeah. Like, yeah, they, they, were, they fired overcharge. I think every single time they fired, I don't know, I've not even bothered the normal profile because I wanted them to die so they could shoot more guys. I just rolled so well with them. I was like, yeah, I don't care. Yeah. At that point, you just go for it. It's like, screw oh. it. They don't have a normal profile anymore. So, yeah. what did you end up on in total gaming-wise then? I don't know, wow. 50 odd, 56 to 7. I think I ended up about I one ahead 50, of Blackie. 54, I think. Yeah, you so you finished one ahead of Blackie. That, yeah. was what, that was what I was. Yeah. Right. So, that's, that's, that's all my out. 
satisfying. Me and Blackie just followed, followed each other the whole tournament, and we were like, we're going to play each other, and then we just miss each other every game. Well, game six, Whereas, it would have happened. <laughs> it would have happened, definitely. And we were like, but just like ships in the night, missed each other again. Yeah, a six-game <laughs> event, and you get to play him. Oh. Yeah, he was taking me off as well, so I was quite glad to make <laughs> Do you reckon? Because, yeah, it's, those towers are not good. Yeah. You. So, I'll go for my game. So, Matt. Uh, game four, I think I killed part of Manny's soul. So, he was playing Pure Sisters Army, which had 20 Heavy Bolt Sisters, 6 Immolators, Celestine, uh, 6 Dominion Squads. And a couple of characters and a couple of jump girls. He had some Eversaws, didn't he? Oh, oh, yeah, four Eversaws as well. And no Stormbolters. That he didn't have any Stormbolters. No, he was saying gonna, he wished he took yeah. Stormbolters on the Dominions for dropping like one assassin instead and have like sixty extra shots. Yeah. But he realised after the submission, he's like, <laughs> yeah. "Oh, I should have done that. Damn it." And then, and then he drew you. <laughs> well, he'd already played uh, one hard army. He played Neil's Poxwalker army, game two. I think he beat both of them. So he Neil played... Neil, imitation. He played me, and he deployed his heavy bolters quite aggressively, which we were talking about, because I ended up going first and killing about half his heavy bolters, which, because they can fire twice gets rid of a lot of his firepower. We were thinking, if he'd sat further back, out of range of a lot of my shots, then I, if he goes first and he sat back, he could potentially not really be in range of any of my key units that he wants to shoot. And I'd put the Alpha Legion forward at the front and he can shoot them, but they're the distraction piece anyway, so it's not that big a deal. So he thought, right, he had to go near the front so he could actually put the hurt on if he got that first turn. But I managed as well, because he'd set up two units of five Dominions on the line to push my Alpha Legion back. And I got a charge off into one of those units and just tied up three or four of the sisters and then trailed back. So I had a screen in front of my army and in pox range for the next turn once we broke out of combat. Because I did... He killed about 20, 30 guys which obviously isn't too bad because I get the Pops Walkers. But then I used Fabius Bile on the cultish unit that was locked in combat, killed four or five guys. So I took the guys that were in combat out because he tried to lock me up the turn after. And then I was like, cool, right, these guys are now free to do what they want. So they turned around and shot the girls they'd just been in combat with, shot the rest of his heavy bolters. And I think it took to turn five to kill two girls with heavy bolters who just sat in cover with two up save he would not fail. But by turn three, I think it might have been the start of my turn four, I'd crept up mid-board and he'd been holding off and trying to screen me off and kind of committed to block me in the middle of the table, turn three. And I just went, that tank's dead, that tank's dead, that tank's dead, that Celestine's dead. Got a little bit of luck over some of his saves on one of the tanks. I think he failed ten out of about 18 or 20 saves. So I didn't expect to kill it, but it kind of blew up and he was like, oh shit, okay. Uh. Right, didn't expect that could have done with that there just hold me up another turn and I just about managed to get a walk time off and stretch so I had the bulk of my epochs in the centre of the board with a line of about 15 guys conga lining down one side to his objective 15 or 20 down the other side onto his objective 
and he, he tr locked them up with Celestine again when I was stretched out, he tied them up but at that point I was on the four objectives I'd been scoring high on Maelstrom all game whereas he'd been struggling because he'd been pushed back and we kind of just played Maelstrom for the last couple of turns because he didn't have much firepower, he only had a few units left to mess around with and I could see it had it got to his soul the the depression it hit of going I've killed a hundred guys but there's they're still actually on the table shit um, at that point he was never going to clear the unit so we kind of just went through the motions to finish up the game but you could see his soul draining out of him uh, that put me on table two in my last game I think it was or uh, against Michelle who had Tyranid Army very similar to Simon's and very similar to what I'd played game 3 which was 3 Morlocks, 7 Hive Tyrants some Rippers, some Mucolids, a Biovore and uh, did the same thing as I did in game 3 I screened off as much as I could with my Alpha Legion unfortunately I was going second so he killed all those so I didn't get any buffs from that I just used him purely as a screen to keep him away from my Pox and I think he could get one tyrant into a couple, one of the units at the back, so he killed about ten guys out of that. And then I kind of got my buffs up, moved forward, got a little bit of positioning, but didn't really commit to much. I killed a hive tyrant with my obliterators. Uh, he moves around, stays at range really, shoot, just shooting off all my guys. Mainly went for my obliterators for the next turn, just to finish them off. But before they died, they managed to take two more Hive Tyrants with them. So I think I killed three. And then I went into get turn three. And it's the one where two of the objectives disappeared. Start of turn three and two of the other three disappear on the second half of turn three. So he picked the three objectives on my side. And it was my left-hand side objective staying. So I kind of repositioned Bubble Rat, that one with uh, a unit of carefully, and I Bubble Rat all the back of the board. So there's nowhere for his Morlocks to go. And he could never get the Hive Tyrants in amongst my guys, I made sure there's never any gaps. So his Morlocks stayed off, they turned up turn three, when they knew where the objective was, and just sat next to my guys, killed a couple with a mortal wounds, but didn't really do anything else. And then at his turn three, it ended up being his far left objective which to me was my the far right so it's the two complete opposite corners so all those time trance that had been sat mid board and I was like oh shit which way do we go and I moved and ran a unit of cultists up and he stopped what time or I failed it that turn so I didn't quite get onto the objective on well, the next turn I managed to move he moved across killed the cultists that were there then I moved the pox up onto it so that was turn four and I had Pox stretched all the way across into both objectives with a clump at either end and congered onto other objectives just in case. And then I think turn his five, he went all out on the Pox, uh, didn't quite kill them so I still sat on both objectives, uh, still had a reasonable Maelstrom, I think we were quite close on Maelstrom all the way through and kill points were similar but I think he got a couple extra and then turn 6 the game carried on he just cleared all the poxwalkers off that objective and then 
uh, on my six I managed to get a cultist unit move, run, walk time run onto the objective so I'm thinking okay if it ends turn six Maelstrom's looking okay I'm on both objectives which is kind of from the start of the game I was looking going with this mission probably not going to smash and get 20 but I could get like 14, 15 point win that would be a good result I think because I'd struggle especially going second as well I was thinking that's kind of what I was playing for, for turn 2, 3, 4 and then on 6 it carried on again unfortunately so he killed off the cultists that were on that objective and he had a hive tyrant 3 that could jump over and shoot and kill Araman because they'd had to push up a little bit and I was running out of bodies to screen and what he did with the Morlocks on my objective is turn 6 he charged in which I think I made a mistake on turn 4 I sh forgot to Fabius bio that unit to give me some more Poxwalkers which might have given me enough to keep him alive for an extra turn possibly not because he put two Hive Tyrants in, in combat as well but it may have just given me enough never got to find out though but because if he charged my cultist on my objective I was going to be making Poxwalkers on his objective so he just didn't charge for three turns and went in when my buffs had dropped and he was he chewing through them he got through half the squad I think in a couple of turns but I kept holding my objective at the back left he kept hold of his objective we had exactly the same maelstrom he got first blood line breaker I got warlord I think I had four kill points maybe five I think he killed three, four hive tyrants on a squad of rippers, something like that. And he won by, I think he was up on two on kill points. So it ended up being a 12-8. I think the other turns, if I, I'd swung on the objective, I think that score would have reversed. So it would have been a small win to me instead, which I would have been okay with. 12-8, uh, still fair result. Michelle was absolutely amazing to play. It's one of the best games I've had in a long time, because... I don't know if you two have had it much recently, but sometimes you get a game where you're both on the same wavelength, you both know what each other's doing. You don't have to explain what it, or what's going on. You can just go, roll dice, roll dice, cool, that many, that's that, that's that, that's this, that's that. And we had no rules queries. We had no questions what was going on. We both... It's one of those games where I think we got to turn seven with about 45 minutes left, which considering I had 400 something models and he was firing 100 and something shots a turn we both just we smashed the game it was it was just really cool at the end going oh that was a great game and then congrats to Michelle he won 12-8 which just peaked him into third place so you had Tyranids in third and then on the table next to me was a Unari army against Grey Knight drop army and the Unari won that 20-0 so that jumped up into second place and then unfortunately Tyranids were in first place as well I'm just not I'm just going to I'm just going to end the podcast there and we'll all go yeah. home <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> sounds reasonable so no guesses who that was Simon <laughs> yeah yeah it went really well um, I got I got the matchups that I hoped to get. I hoped to play Eldar a lot, and I played them three times. Um, 
But in the other two games, like the round one can be really dicey because I know if I draw a list like yours, that can put me out for the whole tournament because, I, like you said, neither of us are probably going to get a 20 zero. Um, I feel more confident about playing your list now, having spoken to you and Michelle after the event about how you played it. But I still don't think it's really possible for either of us to really smash the other unless something goes really crazy. Um, but luckily I played Elder that round and then I played, yeah, I played good players, but matchups that I'd kind of hoped to be playing. Um, the list worked really well. Uh, there's, there's a couple of bits that I'll maybe tweak slightly before Battlefield Birmingham. Um, and I want to see how it does on their objectives pack as well, because it's kind of different there. You only need to win by eight victory points to get a crushing win or something. Oh, okay. So the equivalent of like a 14-6 four, in ETC scoring is like the maximum possible win. Okay. And I think the Tyrants can take 14 off of quite a lot of armies. So That's quite interesting. So we'll do a quick run of the top 10. It's quite interesting as well because when the results are posted, you get to yeah. see a strength of schedule as well. So you can see who had the tough games, who had the slightly easier run and how everyone fared. So yeah. that's probably worth picking if a couple out. Robbo, Robbo's getting that in straight away. <laughs> Matt, number one strength of schedule, Robertson, getting yeah. that in. Didn't, didn't actually pay off for anything, but um, <laughs> I just think it's quite interesting to yeah. see. You could, like yourself, you got 64.4 out of 100. So this is like your average opponent's score. Yeah. And then second place only got... Well, rel- yeah, relative to 71. Because 71 was the max strength of schedule. So then, because obviously 64 out of 100, even like 70 out of 100 sounds like we all had easy games, but obviously the person who had the hardest games was you with 71, if that makes sense. Yeah, so it's kind of. So it's like relatively, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 The top 10, you've got a range going from like something that, saying 71 to like 47, I think. Which is one of the yeah. that was the guy who came second as well. So that's something just to show you that you do need that little bit of luck as well. So you can get the run. Oh of the yeah, draw. absolutely. I think if you look at the names in the top five to ten, they're all sort of fairly standard names, and then the order in which they appear is a lot down to the draws you get, and maybe if someone makes a big mistake or something, but. A lot of a lot of the actual ordering on the podium is about the draws you get. Yes, that's what I kind of wanted to get with with this. Like for example, if cause, yeah, because I was I was chatting with Michelle, and when we did that Saturday night draw between me and Harrison and Michelle and Duncan, Michelle and Duncan played and they got fourteen or something. I think I think Michelle got moved fourteen out of Duncan. Um, thirteen. Um, that was thirteen. Yeah, and then obviously if I play Michelle. That's going to be a close game. Unlike neither of us are really going to smash. So the only person I actually had any chance of twentying was the Eldar that I tailored against, and then I got them. So I was really lucky. Yeah. So it's like you it's can take that. Then I. Yeah. You can have a great list, but then you do need that little bit of luck just to get the right matchups, the right rounds, avoid the right people. So, but running down the top ten, it is a nice mix. You've got regular names that you expect to see up in the. T- top from the UK scene, but you've got Nids, Eldari, Nids, Imperium, which was eight Dark Talon, Dark Angels with friends, so it wasn't really much mixed Imperium. Yeah. 
Uh, well, they weren't dark talons, were they? They were mantic talons. Ah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So then myself <laughs> with a um, load of cultists and poxwalkers, Eric Herger with uh, a load of cultists and obliterators, which was kind of like where my list evolved from. And we've been chatting quite a lot with him over uh, tweaks to that one. Uh, Mike Folks, who had chaos again. But that was who I played game one with the play crawlers and the Nurgle army, with the play bearers as well. And then Admech in eighth, Eldari, which was Max with his Reapers in ninth, and Guard, which was a lot of Russes in tenth. So I'll just pick on the three Chaos lists because they're the only army really that are duplicated in the top ten. You've got the two Nid armies, which are the same, and you've got two Eldar, but they were both quite different builds, one was Reaper heavy one was a bit more mixed, still with our unit of Reapers, but then you've got Chaos are the most popular in the top 10 but you could say two of them are similar, as in they've got a lot of cultists in each, but then they play in different ways so one's more aggressive with the cultists and the obliterators, the other's more defensive, just playing the slow grind with the pox walkers and then the third is completely different again with the Nurgle having the toughness, the durability, and the damage output. Yeah, and especially you and Eric. So Eric, for example, he he got twenty in all of his games except one, and that was when he played Michelle, and Michelle got twenty off of him. Yes. Because obviously Michelle can just put a hundred shots a turn down, and there's no reason not to start doing it from the beginning. Whereas the defensive means that against you he has to play Keiju, so it shows like the value of having that the Poxwalker ability is really even though it does much less damage up front it it also takes all that damage away from your opponent because they just can't engage with you yeah that's so really good list I really, really like it I found in a lot of games as well is I wasn't a couple of people looked and went oh I'm going to get tabled here and I was just like nah I'm never tabling you I don't have the damage output in that list to table people it's a grind army that will be there from turns 1 to 7 Beyond the objectives from turn two, three to seven, it's designed to last the game and play play the missions rather than just go for, like a Yunari Reaper army is going to go for the throat. Your Nids, they're very high progressive as well. Would you wouldn't you say? Well, yeah, oh yeah. Well, I think I think the thing with the Nids is that against stuff like yours, I can kind of sit and take it. The only reason I have to be because in the three Eldar games and the Tau game and even the Demons game, they're all quite aggressive armies as well. So I have to be more aggressive quickly and get rid of all their damage. But the Tyrants, they're tough enough that if they play other lists, they can sit off and absorb damage reasonably well. They just don't have as much interest as you at all. Nothing like it, in fact. Yeah, well, that's where kind of like Neil's um, list, which we mentioned, that plays slightly differently to mine again because he's got Martyrian. He's got that aggressive beat stick, he's got that damage output he can throw at you, and he can just go and beat up on things, whereas mine yeah. just played, I tried to play the game a lot more. Yeah. Which I think is quite interesting because a lot of armies aren't doing that at the moment. A lot of armies yeah. are going very aggro and quite aggressive. It's like looking through the top 10, yeah. for example, you've got the couple Oh, of yes. Alpha Strike or Beta Strike, yeah. Yeah, which is why I think the I think. Chaos, you've kind of not got that raw damage output in the list, unless you go like 21 obliterators potentially. But they kind of 
play well. Yeah, which, as... which if anyone's listening and they use that, just get out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's that would be savage. Like it's they have to play it a different way just because of the way the book is. Which yeah, absolutely. I'd yeah. be quite interested to see when more books come out if they kind of follow the theme of going aggro and you're looking at books for their damage or if you're looking at books for okay I can play the mission like this like that and it reminds me of when I was talking with Tony on one of the other podcasts about list building whereas he's just looking for something that can go smash smash and I was looking at oh right these are obsecs so that means I can do this on that mission and I can stretch out and do this and you can do a lot with a big obsec unit which... Yeah, I mean, I mean, when you're playing the not the non Poxwalker version, you did it did seem like it would like a, a a while ago at previous events and practice and just play testers. It felt like by the end of the game, you didn't really have anything because and I kind of found similar. I was using like two hundred brigades and loads of gaunts. Obviously, it's a huge obsec hordes of minus to hit and stuff. And I was finding kind of similar in that they do just get shot off, whereas the pox because it's just people have to do so much damage that it's just functionally it's just crazy I mean they've got to kill 160 bodies and then there's 200 more bodies with 5 and 3 no pain so that's 300 they've got to kill nearly 500 bodies to get rid of all the obsec which is not possible yeah like well well I mean maybe for like the dark talons maybe you, yeah, yeah yeah the dark talons just like the 24 shot planes can do it and then maybe it's yeah, it's quite. I found it quite interesting because a lot of people are looking at it as well and going, "Oh, how do I kill that?" Uh, whereas a lot of their other games, like Mike, uh, for example, I played him game one, and after that he went twenty fourteen twenty twenty. So he found he could push and just put the damage on people, and they weren't resilient enough. Whereas his army is resilient enough to take it, but he's also got a good amount of damage as well. So I think less like that you might see a bit more. So, which I suppose the flyers are the same. Even though yeah, they have they're, the, they're tough. Weapons. Yeah, well, they can they can manage distance between you and your opponent much better than the play crawlers, and they don't need fancy trees to fall back and shoot. But then their ranged output is nowhere near as good either, because you've got all those plague weapons that can reroll to wound from the warlord traits and. All that sort of stuff, and had a locus of Nurgle on them. Everything. It's really. Uh, I'd say they're kind of doing it a different way, but yeah, you've got really, the resilient damage. Yeah. There. Whereas you, your Eldar, they're doing the more damage, but they are softer. So, I think. Yeah, I'm, I mean, spot. definitely. If you look at, if you look at all these top lists, the Eldar, you can kind of take a punch on the serpents, and then you get out, web your stuff in, and buff up and kill them. The Tyranids, you have useless mucolids. You drop in, kill their screen, take a punch. The chaos, you kind of take a punch on your chaff, and then you put a blitz in, or your poxwalkers start getting swole, and then there's nothing they can they can do. And then, so then the ad mech is kind of different, but then that's where you kind of start to see the scores. Like Tony's done really well with that list. I mean, I'd still have to sit down and figure out what it does, but. Seems like he's played that really well. Max's list again, Eldar. Sid's got all these Lehman Russes, which are pretty tough tanks. So I mean, that seems to be what lists do. Like if you can, if you can either Alpha Strike or Turtle Up and then punch back really hard, 
depending on what you need every time. That seems to be a really solid formula in the game at the moment. Yeah, like you said then, I think the key point is at the moment because we're going to see yeah. so many more books coming out that I, could, I think the thing is going to change quite a bit because you've had Eldar, they were at the top, possibly still are, but we've seen Nids do really well at this event, smashing Eldar up. Uh, we've got LVO out which, uh, just before this podcast comes out probably. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if, how the yeah. results from that compare to this. I'm sure it we'll was, cover that. It was funny, actually. If you, yeah. If you saw Nick Nanavati's list, he's got he, he's put, like, you know, his famous brag that he's got his LVO winning list is obviously written at the top of his army for submission. And it's almost the exact same as, like, Harrison's and, uh, and like, sort of James Tierney's and not quite as many Reapers as, like, Max's. But it's, it's very much in those... Frames, so it seems like their LR lists are very similar to ours at the moment. Like the so the difference is in the scene, but then it depends how much people have been building the counter because we've all been building for durability to counter the LR damage. Because then when you get to punch them back, they're quite fragile. I think. Yeah, so be, I think it'd be really interesting to have yeah. the two events side by side in a, couple, a week or so's yeah. time and just look at what's doing well where. Probably see the same players you'd expect up at both, but. That'd be quite interesting. So I think that kind of covers Caledonian. Uh, there's another event running in the summer, which tickets have gone on sale for on Element Games' website, if you want to check that out. Um, we'll probably be back. We'll try and cover LVO in the next couple of weeks. We unfortunately haven't been able to do anything beforehand. Uh, just life got in the way last minute. We had something planned, but uh, had to call it off uh, a couple of days before the event. So we'll get some coverage up afterwards and probably follow this one by a week or so. But thanks everyone for listening and thanks James, thanks Simon and we'll speak to you all soon. Thanks very much. Bye. Bye.